Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today's guest is absolutely no stranger to winning. Marx Wiebler is a badminton player from Germany who reached rank 10 in the world, no mean feat, and won multiple titles, including gold at the 2012 European Championships. However, Mark had to overcome a significant hurdle in his career in late 2005 when he was not sure if he would ever play badminton again. I won't give away any more, but as overcoming adversity is today's theme in this podcast, I can't think of many better guests to have on this podcast today than Mark Zwiebler. Mark, you have a reputation that precedes you, sir. You are our first guest that originates from Germany, so it's absolute pleasure. And I've got one special question I've been saving up just for you. So it's a delight to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast. Thanks for having me, Sandro. Thank you. So uh, for those who don't know you, because there will be a number of people, Mark, listening to this from around the world that are quite a bit younger than you or I. Uh, So, you know, some of them think 2008, I wasn't even born then. So um, for those who are listening that haven't heard of you before or are not familiar with your sport, just tell us if you would a little bit about your background, where you grew up and how you ended up becoming a world-class badminton player. Yes, sure. So I was born in 84, which sounds ancient. I'm I'm 37 years uh, now. And I grew up in Bonn, the former capital of Germany, right in the in the heart of Germany. Uh, my parents actually also been uh, quite successful Batman players in the 70s, 60s and 70s. So I kind of grew up in the, in the sport hall, to be honest. Like every uh, boy, um, I also played football, um, also with quite some success uh, in my early years. And at some point I had to decide like uh, between football and badminton and obviously school as well. Uh, so my day was pretty packed and uh, I had more passion uh, actually for badminton as an individual sport. I also um, went to China for the first time when I was 14. I have no idea why my parents ever allowed me to do so because I was on my own. There were no mobile phones. Nobody spoke English. But uh, yeah, I went to China for five weeks, practiced there. And um, badminton is very popular in Asia, in China in particular. And that's where it really... Yeah, it really hit me. I was really passionate. I saw these people training so much and being at such a high level. So it really motivated me. And um, when I was 16 or 17 years old, I decided I want to try it as a professional. I had no idea like how far I could come. I really didn't have any role models, but uh, still I wanted to pursue this path. And uh, yeah, I had a very uh, good, very long, very fulfilling career, obviously not reaching all of my goals. Um, but also, to be honest, if I look back, I probably reached more than I would have thought when I was 16 years old. So uh, overall, a, a pretty great uh, experience. And uh, I'm very happy that I've uh, done that. So 16, 16 years old, it, it kind of feels in sport to be you know, quite late in the day to be thinking about becoming a professional athlete. So you must have made a lot of progress in a fairly short period of time when you consider, you know, all of the things that you won in the sport. Um, to what extent were your parents an influence? Because you say they were, you know, they were good badminton players. 
so I guess you kind of grew up being immersed in, in the world of badminton. Uh, but I'm intrigued to know that you go to China and you just see something in front of you. And as a young kid, you kind of go, wow, I'd like to do that. I mean, it's extraordinary to me that people can be exposed to something for such a, a short period of time that become so passionate about it. So it obviously all happened quite quickly for you. Um, yes and no. So as you said, I've been exposed to, to quite a high level of Batman my whole life, even from, I mean, there are pictures when I'm two or three years old and already holding a record. Um, but I never really considered it as like a career or a professional career. I always enjoyed playing it. It was also quite successful when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, traveling around Europe mainly, playing some tournaments, winning a couple of them. But um, also with Batman is the case, just got Olympic in 1992. Before that, it was really... Uh, there was some professionals, but not really. So the sport grew massively in the in the mid '90s, late '90s, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have so many successful German players in the past. So I didn't really have a role model who who've done this before, and uh, so it really never occurred to me until I was 15, 16, got, started to earn a little bit money here and there, and actually thinking like, oh yeah, that is something that I want to do. Um, and um, so it didn't happen overnight, to be honest. I think it was a long process. But uh, yeah, it's also one of our problems or my problem in the sport that in, in Asia, it's such a huge sport and obviously their, their training regime is very different than ours. So they become professionals when they are yeah, sometimes 10, 11 years old. Uh, I'm quite glad that we don't have this in Europe uh, like that, let's say. But uh, of course, they have a big advantage, right? And uh, yeah, so we have to train. We, we cannot train more than them. We have to train, train a little bit smarter than they do. Before I take you back to 2005, Mark, uh, where, where, where is, what does life look like for you today? You know, what are you, what are you doing with yourself uh, post sport? Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I retired uh, in 2017, I think. So I played the Olympics in 2016. Then kind of the decision was in my mind already. Okay. I, sh I, I should uh, retire at some point. I was actually thinking about extending my career to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. And in hindsight, I'm very happy that I didn't do that because we all know that would have been another year on top of that. Um, so I retired in 2017 and um, went to Berlin, uh, started to work in a consultancy and, and then for a big e-commerce company and actually founded my own software startup uh, a little bit more than a year ago. And uh, yeah, just gaining knowledge, I think it's a super interesting time. Obviously, transition for athletes is always uh, very challenging, um, including for myself. It's, uh, it's a very difficult period for everyone. Uh, yeah, but maybe we're going to touch base on that later again. Yeah, well, I was going to say, we'll, we'll touch on switch the play. And um, again, you know, you talk about retirement. It is a massive challenge, as you know, Mark, for a lot of sports people who move from, you know, that immersive 24-7 environment for a fairly short period of time, achieve extraordinary things. And then the next thing, you know, they're, they're faced with golf a couple of days a week and, you know, and the day job, which is if they can get a job, of course. So we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about switch the play and the work that you do with them. So 2005... For those of you not familiar, um, Mark uh, suffered, well, what started out, Mark, as, as kind of what felt like sore muscles, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about what happened, because what you achieved subsequent to this is nothing short of extraordinary, but I'd rather you tell the story, really. Yeah. And so I think also with hindsight, like 15, 16 years later, it's always easy, uh, easier for me to, to understand these things. Um, so in 2005, I was playing the All England, which is the most traditional tournament in, in the badminton circus in, in Birmingham, actually. And I played there and it started out with a little bit of, of, of uh, yeah, pain in the back, in the lower back. 
So I just thought like, oh yeah, all right, pain is normal and, and took a couple of painkillers, but then somehow after two, three, four weeks, still, the pain was still there. So I, I went to the physio, I, I get another, a scan done and then the diagnosis was like, okay, you have a little bit of a slip disc, fairly small, so nothing to worry about. And uh, yeah, this was kind of the, uh, the, the situation back then. And I just continued practicing, but it got worse and worse over time. And it was really weird because some days it felt fine. Then the next day I couldn't really move anymore. So it was really frustrating for me because I couldn't really get, yeah, understand what, what's good for me, what isn't good for me. But over a period of uh, yeah, nine months, 10 months, it got worse and worse actually ended up with uh, me being in bed for a, a couple of months, also partially in the in the wheelchair uh, for a couple of weeks. I was uh, 21 uh, back then, and obviously my life has changed a lot. I was living in a flat with actually two of my closest uh, mates back then, and uh, they had to help me get out of bed. They had to put my socks on. They had to uh, tie my shoelaces. I wasn't able to, uh, yeah, to, to go shopping, to go partying. Um, and at this point in time, I honestly didn't even think about badminton anymore. Like I completely, I mean, of course I was frustrated. I was sad. I was uh, crying a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a different, my goal was not to ever play badminton again. My goal was to be able to go to university or to have a normal office job without any uh, pain, basically. And this all um, kind of yeah, peaked uh, one night uh, where I was at my parents at that time where I uh, couldn't feel my legs anymore, especially the right side of my legs. And uh, I, yeah, also I had some other uh, not so nice experiences during this night. And basically this was for me the, the call to, to call the ambulance. And I had an emergency surgery. They, they took out the, the slip disc. They also widened the, the, the nerve channel in the spine. And um, yeah, then the recovery started, um, which took um, yeah, a couple of months uh, actually, but also never really with the intention to go back to professional sports again, because I was just so happy after the surgery that this constant chronic pain was, was gone for the first time in, in, in more than a year. And uh, yeah, just trying to, to live a normal student life. So in 2005, you're in a wheelchair, uh, faced with the prospect of never playing badminton again. Um, I mean, you were just focusing on, on walking in probably at that time. Three years later, um, in the 2008 Olympics, so we are, you know, just to put this into perspective, three years later, and you've probably lost a year at this point. Um, and I seem to remember, I'm, I, if I'm, I may have got this wrong, but did you not beat Andrew Smith, England's Andrew Smith in the second round in the Olympics? Uh, yes, I'm not sure if it was the first round or second round, but I did beat him, yeah. It was, uh, it was early on. So, um, you know, that whole road to recovery must have felt, because, you know, he was, um, he was a pretty tidy badminton player, wasn't he? So, um, and I mean, really, I use the word extraordinary again, because it's a great adjective um, to describe that journey that you went on. So in a very, very short period of time, you managed to pick yourself up from probably, uh, you know, that, that prospect of never playing again to getting to the Olympic Games and, and beating one of the world's best players at the time. How, I mean, this sounds like a very, very, um, a, a kind of a trite question, but how, how do you, forget the physical aspect of that journey, how do you mentally deal with, you know, that moment that you were probably looking at the end of your professional career at such a, you know, age 21? Um, 
at first, so the whole process with my back was actually took me around out for two years, actually. So I only started back in early 2007 or something like that. Um, and mentally, I mean, there's different phases, right? At the beginning, as I said, I didn't want it to be true. I kind of was like neglecting the fact, just, just fighting through the pain, whatever. Then, uh, of course, there comes some times of sadness and bitterness and also desperation when you're like, yeah, you, I mean... I don't want to sound over dramatic, but you're lying in bed and you never, you don't know if you can ever walk again and all your life's plans, especially as a bit of a spoiled, uh, talented, uh, young, fit uh, sports person, you know, everything comes easy and suddenly you're like, oh, wow, uh, my life has changed a lot and what's going to be the next 60 years like. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I did fall into a depression or something. I, I actually don't really think so because I had incredible support from, from my family and also from friends outside of the uh, inside and, but also outside of the badminton circuit uh, who I talked to a lot. And um, then there was, I somehow managed to get out of this phase a little bit and started to get motivated and set, set different goals, different targets. As I said, I wanted to be a student. I wanted to work or something. So this was my, my goal. And when I returned to badminton, was actually a couple of months after the surgery, my physio, who's not a good badminton player uh, at all, so he's more the type of guy who plays badminton in his back garden, kind of, uh, like, like really not a good level. Uh, he convinced me that, that him and me, we should play uh, in the evenings when nobody else was in the hall. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna like feed you a little bit, you know, standing around. And this turned into, uh, you know what, maybe you stand in this corner and I cover two corners, then I cover three corners, then I started to cover the whole field and whatever. And it was more fun. We had music going on. And um, then it wasn't so hard mentally, to be honest, because I only had pure joy um, of yeah, being able to walk, being able to jump, being able to dive. And I, I was just so excited about it. I still like kind of, uh, if I remember back, I tried to control my expectations because then quite soon, like people were asking, oh, are you going to do a comeback? Are you going to go? And I was like, no, no, I'm just playing for fun. I'm just like, yeah, you know, no, like uh, in the evenings and, and blah. Um, but of course, the, the, the first thought was there. I actually entered my first tournament in uh, September 2007, which was the Belgium Open. And because I had no world ranking anymore, I was the last one accepted into the the qualifying tournament for the actual tournament and um, so again I went there it was super nice to see old friends again and I played match after match and uh, yeah I won this tournament uh, it was probably one of the yeah, biggest uh, senior tournaments I won right after yeah two two and a half years out of competition and I, I'm pretty sure I only won that because I didn't really care so much about winning I was just like enjoying if, if I made a mistake I said like oh doesn't matter if you know like it was really pure motivation and pure joy of, of being able to move freely and this kind of attitude um, helped me definitely in the long run also in my later career I would even say now also in my private and business life that you know if things really feel like there's no way out I'm, I'm pretty good now in, in, in putting it into perspective and say well life is good in general right like we, we're not gonna die um, if, if a business deal falls through or if you lose a match or if you do a mistake it's uh, this this really helped me this kind of attitude so um I'm, i've been asked actually many times like how did you do this how did you come back also from other athletes who um yeah had to, had to go through a similar uh phase in their life and uh i wish i would have this one single recipe of how to deal with it but i, I don't and i know it's tough and there's ups and downs and 
there were also times where I lost hope, other times where I had a lot of hope uh, and everything in between. Well, do you know what? I, I, if you don't mind me saying so, I, I think I disagree with you. I think you did find a recipe. I think that, you know, your ability to disconnect from that, uh, the need to win, the expectations of other people. And listen, on behalf of, uh, you know, a nation, a, a whole world that, that used to watch you back then, um, I'm very glad that you lied to the people that you said you were just playing for fun because four years later, you go and win the 2012 European Championships. Um, so I guess you've, you've just articulated brilliantly how you dealt with adversity. And, you know, you said a couple of things about making it fun again uh, and, and kind of disconnecting from that mentality that you had to have to be a, to be a winner. Um, that perspective that you've mentioned. So I, th I think you've just come up with a, a great recipe for others who really struggle. Um, so I guess what I, I heard in summary, Mark, was that, you know, winning undoubtedly uh, made you stronger, but also adversity made you stronger as well. So I'm going to ask you a question now. I said at the introduction that I, I was reserving a special question for you. Um, and I've been waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks to speak with you today, um, specifically for this reason. Wherever I've traveled in the world, the hundreds of thousands of people I've spoken to in business, one common issue confronts them all. And that is when they do something extraordinarily well, they make a sale or they win a new customer or they get a promotion there is a natural tendency to kind of step back, to relax a bit, to take their foot off the gas, to use an expression. Um, I'm very interested to know from you, because you've been through that whole range of emotions, the ups and the downs, but you maintained a kind of a consistency in your career, despite all the setbacks. I'm very interested to know what you do to avoid that lull after the storm. You know, when you get that, moment of euphoria when you win something it must be very difficult to get back into training onto the metaphorical treadmill how does how does Mark Zwiebler deal with with that uh, actually again I think it's about perspective and for me perspective doesn't um, only work when you have a challenge or when you lose something it also works the other way around. Um, so, um, of course, when I lost the match, I was super frustrated, but then I, I tried to, yeah, I motivated myself to get on again. The same also happened after a big win. I mean, I, we did throw a party that night, but the next day I kind of woke up and was like, ah, oh, okay, now you have to prove that you won last, uh, last day. It wasn't like an, an accident or a surprise or something like that. So again, what I mean with perspective is not taking everything too seriously, which means also the losses, but also the wins and the achievements and not being, because otherwise it's also super frustrating. You're, you're super low, then you're super excited. But I've seen this many times, especially with young athletes. They, um, when they won a tournament or something like this, their posture is different, their gesture, the, the way they speak and stuff like that. I always say like, look, you won yesterday, but today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. And you have to prove it next week, week after week after week. So, um, and I feel like what you said is exactly right. I think successful people in general, in, in business and in sports and whatever, never are 100% satisfied. So even if I won uh, European championships, I remember we had a couple of years this night, to be honest. But I still was like, oh, I, I think I can do better. I, I find like at least 10 things in my game that I wanted to improve. And um, I think this is one of the, the things which unites most of the successful people for a long period, that they're never really satisfied, which also sounds sometimes a bit frustrated. Um, but I think Oliver Kahn, the German goalkeeper, um, 
who's also known for his motivation and for his passion and uh, probably one of the best goalkeepers of all times. He also said that during his active career, he couldn't enjoy any of his successes because right afterwards it clicks in, okay, but tomorrow I have to prove that I'm, I'm the best. And I think this is an, an attitude which uh, I also try to, uh, yeah, to do. I, I, I agree. I think there's loads of examples of, um, of people who excel in sport and business who have exactly that attitude. So that's um, brilliantly well put. Now, earlier on, Mark, we talked about uh, that transition from the world of sport and, you know, all the amazing things you achieved. And then all of a sudden you reach a point where, you know, your body gives up, you know, other players come in behind you and, you know, they take on, um, you know, they take on your role in the sport. That's inevitable. Mentally, it must be very difficult to transition from sport to something else, whatever something else looks like. Um, but I know that you are now part of Switch to Play. So just tell us a little bit about Switch to Play, what it does, and, and I guess how it's helped you in particular. Yeah. So Switch to Play is an organization uh, based in the UK, and they support athletes exactly at this period of time. And not only when you already retire, but already a couple of years or months or whatever before to prepare you a little bit. Because what you said is 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 uh, completely correct. You're coming from something which I, I was the, the ten best badminton player in the world. Uh, I had a lot of uh, yeah, fans, especially in Asia, in Asia media coverage, a decent uh, amount of income and everything. And then suddenly it stops. And then what comes next? What are you going to do the next fifty years uh, of your life? Or, or so. Um, and this is an organization like Switch to Play in Germany. We also have similar organizations who support athletes in this transition period to also find find out together with the athletes, okay, what kind of, of, of soft skills, of uh, mindset that you probably learned as an athlete or had to learn as an athlete, how is it transferable into the actual job market and what kind of jobs are even out there? Most athletes... Uh, they can't do an intern, uh, probably they didn't even study or didn't, uh, for example, I, I, started, I studied at an open uni, I studied business uh, administration, and so I don't have any peers, I didn't have any other students to exchange, so I didn't know what is this job world looked like outside, and this is especially uh, like one of the things that Switch to Play um, and other organizations do, um, they have a network of business people who also give athletes a chance, I think this is very important. Um, because we, we always say that athletes are normally are very good in soft skills, but lacking of hard skills. But normally hard skills you can learn, uh, soft skills it's, it's more difficult to learn, right? So I, I think there can be a win-win situation for, for, for businesses and athletes alike. And Switch to Play is, is like kind of a platform and also a, yeah, a, a matching mechanism behind it. Uh, Mark, have you, have you come to realize or possibly knew before you retired do you see similarities in business and sport? You know, winning in sport, winning in business, are there kind of similarities, would you say? So there are a lot of similarities, but there's also differences as well. Uh, I think some of the similarities, like like discipline and, and yeah, pulling through also when it gets tough and overcoming hurdles, I think there's a lot of, yeah, you can transfer this into business. One of the, the things that I found difficult in business compared to sport, it's not really measurable quite often, especially when you're a big corporation and you have a team, you cannot really measure yourself against the others. Like a Batman, I knew I lost, I won. I had a world ranking every week where I can have a look at how am I doing. And in business, sometimes it just takes time, right? It's a lot of relationship building. Someone gets promoted where you think, well, I'm actually better uh, or whatever. So it's, uh, it's a little bit more complex, I would say, uh, this whole relationship. And that's 
um, something I think that also athletes have to learn. Mark, um, one thing that you mentioned earlier that I just wanted to pick up on before we before we finish today is you said, I think I'm paraphrasing slightly, so apologies, but something like, you know, you reach 10 in the world, which is, you know, to be the 10th best anything in the world um, is, is nothing short of amazing. But you said, I didn't quite reach all my goals. And I guess most people who have uh, that winning mentality never quite get to where they want to get to. Obviously, that's what keeps them motivated. How do you deal with not achieving your goals? Or is it, or do you not really think about it until retirement comes around? And I mean, do you have any regrets in your career? Or do you think, you know what, um, perspective again, 10th in the world, winning the 2012 European Championship, the other, all the other tournaments you won, the money you made, the career you had, the fan base that you had, particularly in Asia and across Europe. I mean, is that a CV that you think despite the fact that I didn't quite achieve all my goals, it's still pretty fantastic. Yeah, so if you would have told me this at, when I was 15 or 16, I would have taken it uh, straight away. Uh, obviously, I think, again, like when you reach a goal, I think you should always set the next one. So it's inevitable to, to reach all your goals. I think even some of the world's best, look at Roger Federer or something who probably achieved everything. I, I mean, he still has goals, right? And uh, probably even he won't reach all of his goals in his career. I think it's important and, and I'm also very clear on that I'm not bitter in everything. Even not reaching my goals is, uh, yeah, I'm frustrated. I wish I would have uh, reached the Olympic medal or World Championships medal. I, I didn't do so, but I tried my best. I gave everything I had and, um, yeah, didn't reach that, but uh, reached more than I could have dreamed of when I was younger. Well done. Um, so many people salute you for what you've achieved in your career. So how, how do people find out more about you, Mark? You know, if we were, there'll, there'll be a lot of people listening that you've said a lot of things today that will really resonate with people and will help a lot of people listening. Um, and the first thing they'll be wanting to, to know is how do we connect with Mark? Is he on social media? Does he have a website? Tell me, tell us about the, uh, the IT company you're running. So how do, we, how do we find out more about where you are and what you're doing? So I'm not super active on Instagram, but you can find me there under at Mark Zwiebler, um, is my username there. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can find me definitely. Uh, and on the, the company website, it's www.kurabu.com. It's K-U-R-A-B-U. Uh, we're actually doing a, a software as a service um, um, for, for sport clubs, for managing sports clubs. So everyone who's in that field and thinks... Uh, some digitization uh, could come in handy. Uh, yeah, just ping us. Uh, super happy to exchange. But also about this uh, topic of um, athletes' transition. I think it's uh, it's not only Batman players who probably didn't earn enough to. You know, we do have to do another job uh, after our sports career. But I, I know also as I actually spoke to Jurgen Klopp um, recently. Also, a lot of football players have this this problem, even though they probably earned a lot in their lifetime. But still, it's a massive, massive change. And, uh, you know, as an athlete, it's always hard to admit that you're struggling uh, mentally. Um, and I could just invite everyone to yeah, contact me or contact Switch to Play. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's many people that, that like to help. On the subject of hard to admit, it's hard for me to admit as a Manchester United fan that Jurgen Klopp's a good manager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At least one German doing well there in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, I would, I would suggest... Uh, there's another German, the one that's speaking to me today, that's done pretty well as well. So um, you should be very proud of all you've achieved, um, as, as we are, uh, all of you. So um, the final question, Mark, is one you probably know we ask all our guests. 
And it's a way really of trying to condense all the things that we've spoken about today. And we've covered an awful lot in half an hour. So if, um, if a younger version of Mark Zwiebler were to come up to you and say, so, um, you know, I've, I've looked at your career um, with great admiration, all the highs, the lows, you know, wheelchair, one moment, winning a European championship, the next, you know, nothing short of extraordinary path through life and business and sport. Uh, but if there was one rule, if there was one thing that I should live my life by, what would that one thing be, Mark, above all the others? Very hard to track this down to one. Uh, if this would be one, I would say don't worry too much. And the second one would be just do it. Uh, I think it's very uh, important. Again, perspective. Don't don't take it too personal. It's not normally. It's not the end of the life. Anything that happens uh, around us, and just do it. I encourage everyone to uh, pursue their dreams, even though it's it's probably not clear yet how it will turn out. But I think uh, you will regret it uh, in the end at some point. Looking back and then not uh, yeah trying everything you wanted to. Very very good. Well answered, sir. Thank you so much for being a great guest today. There's going to be a lot of people listening from all around the world, including Germany, who will be very proud of all you've achieved. Um, continue to do great things in business. And, and of course, we switch the play. We've had a few guests from Switch the Play, as, as those listening will know. Uh, but that's no coincidence because there are some, you know, extraordinarily talented athletes who are now helping other um, people transition from the world of sport into you know, the normal world, the world outside of sport, which is not easy for many people. And we know that there's you know, um, a significant number of uh, mental health issues that come with that. So Mark and to you and all your colleagues, well done for all you do to assist those people. Congratulations for a stellar career uh, and good luck in all you continue to do in business. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So that was Mark Zwiebler on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wasn't he amazing? I, I think I used the word extraordinary number of times. I'll use it one more time to describe today's guest. Remember, each week we've got a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life's challenges, just as Mark did. So please make sure you subscribe, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. It's at Sandro's Podcast. Don't forget the little S in the middle. People still do. And let us, or Mark Zwiebler, now you have his contact information, know what you thought of today's podcast. If you'd like to email us with a question, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And please remember to leave those reviews on iTunes. They are really, really important. And you'll automatically enter into a draw to win one of the prizes donated by one of the guests on the Sandro Forte podcast. Finally, do connect with me. It's at Sandro Forte on Twitter and the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. So thank you again to Mark Zwiebler, a fantastic guest today. Really enjoyed talking to him. And to all of you for listening, thank you again for your loyalty to the Sandro Forte podcast. Without you, it doesn't keep going. So we will see you this time next week. <laughs>